Welcome to another episode of Fan Film Fridays. I'm your host, Clinton Robison. It appears I'm not doing so well in my efforts to get out of this basement. Oh, and in case you didn't know, yeah, I am 100% stuck in the basement here at Longbox <laughs> Crusade HQ. But I've always got some cool fan films to keep me company, and I've got those coded SOS signals going out. Still, having some mutant powers would be a nice way to escape. And speaking of mutant powers, I have managed to make contact with the only person I can think of who would have podcasting as a mutant ability, <laughs> Sean Ross. Thank you. I, I, I guess. I, I, yeah, I'm okay with that. I mean, hey, look, I received your signal from the basement, and I jumped into my battle van, and I drove over here as quickly as I could to, uh, to save the day. <laughs> my battle van. I want to say that very clearly. My battle van. <laughs> I am on the Longbox Crusade, Crusade, right? Right? The the home of the battle van? <laughs> <laughs> the home of the battle van. <laughs> Thanks for having me, man. I'm excited. I'm I you know, I love recording with you in, in in any way, in any capacity. But this is such a cool new show. Like I'm so excited for this. I'm not a person who in any way has followed fan films over the years. And so this is like total new material for me. I'm loving it. I loved the Batman fan film that you covered with Professor Frenzy. It's a show. And I'm loving the film that you sent me. So, yeah, it's really cool, man. It's a, it's a super good super good idea for a show. Well, I appreciate the, the kind words. Uh, well, you already told us you pretty much have no familiarity with fan films. But uh, how's your Italian? <laughs> well, I knew what ciao meant. And I knew what it meant when Wolverine put his hand under his chin and like flinged it at somebody, but he forgot his claws were extended and he cut out his own face. But other than that, uh, yeah, no, but yeah, my Italian wasn't great. It's funny. It took me, a, it took me a little bit. So listeners, a little behind the scenes, Clinton sent me the link for this film and originally sent me a link without English subtitles. So I was like, okay, we're getting really avant garde here. Like Clinton's really, you know, he's throwing me a curveball. I'm going to watch this X Men film. And it, in, and it took me a second to figure out it was Italian. I'm like, I'm going to watch it in Italian. I'm going to kind of piece together the story. Yeah, okay, this is really cool. And then I got a, you know, a message a couple weeks later saying, oops, here's the one with English subtitles. And so my Italian was not great, but the film is good enough that I was actually able to piece together most of the story. It, you know, though the dialogue was a little bit different. At one point I had, Wolverine making fun of Cyclops in my head, but he's much nicer to him in the film. So, you know. <laughs> okay, so just so everybody knows, we are looking at X-Men District X, which, as you probably already put together, is an Italian fan film of the X-Men. Uh, thanks to a little bit of uh, Google Translate, for however well that works, uh, we can kind of piece together that it was made by the Flash Gordon Cultural Association. <laughs> wait, wait, seriously? Is that the name of it? Yes. Oh, my God. That is awesome. That I now have a new dream job. I want to work for the Flash Gordon Cultural Association. <laughs> well, I'm sure it sounds a little loftier than it is. It's more of a fan group. That still sounds really cool. I hope they have a home office and that when you call, they answer the phone and go, Flash! Ah! <laughs> <laughs> And apparently the group's uh, motto, or, um, well, let's just go with motto, because I can't spend time thinking about mission <laughs> statement. There we go. Hooray! There you go. there you go. Brain has worked. Apparently their mission statement is that they uh, stand for the dissemination of Japanese animation and neighboring environments throughout Italy. 
Okay. In addition to organizing the Luca Comics Cosplay Show, the association is also involved in various initiatives, including comics courses and many other documented activities on their official website. Uh, the YouTube channel says that they show videos related to their activities. You know, basically different footage of them at conventions, that sort of thing. But unfortunately, I don't think the YouTube account has really been all that active over the last few years. Yeah, you, you gotta, you're killing me with that last part, man, because I am so in my head picturing what it would be like to work for them. Like, I want to go to their Christmas party. Like, I want to, I want to see, <laughs> I want to see the Flash Gordon Cultural Association just drunk at their Christmas parties. You know, and like, like who's in cosplay? And in fact, actually, you'd be shamed for not being in cosplay. Like, you know, I, I just, yeah, the, the, it would be awesome, man. The, the only thing that would suck about that is if you worked in their HR department, because I can only imagine <laughs> the weird violations you would have to explain. <laughs> like, it just, yeah, it, it would be amazing. I, I, it is, seriously, it's my new dream job. Okay, well, before we get really far into this, uh, just to remind everybody, we are going to completely spoilerize everything, so hop on out to YouTube. There's links in the show notes. Why wouldn't you go out and watch this? Go out and watch the show. It's more fun if we all are on the same page when we start watching, you know, start discussing. Besides that, it's under 10 minutes, mm -hmm. folks. It's not going to ruin your day. And if you're an X-Men fan, you are going to be in for a treat. Seriously, yeah, people really need to watch this. It's really good, and it's really short. It is. It's a. It's a just perfect little. Hey, I've got eight minutes. I'm gonna watch this. It's really good. And spoiler, uh, this movie, I'm sorry, film, was the winner for the award for best actor at the 2009 edition of the Luca Movie and Cosplay Competition, which is held by the Flash Gordon Cultural Association. <laughs> Yeah, I believe so. Okay, so they gave their own movie Best Actor. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> My mom gave me, like, Best Baseball Player once in Little League. I don't know if it's the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, to top it all off, uh, it goes to the guy who played Wolverine. Oh, of course. Who uh, was also the director and the script writer. Yeah. Yeah. That... And did the editing. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'm beginning to think this dude, like, <laughs> is the association. Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely, like, written by Mr. Burns, directed by Mr. Burns, <laughs> starring Mr. Burns. Yeah, that, yeah, there was a little bit of that going on here. Cameo by Bumblebee. Okay, so X-Men District X. As we've already said, it was directed, written, and edited by, and pardon me because I do not do Italian names very good justice, because I really don't do any names justice, <laughs> Jacopo Calatroni. That's pretty good. You know, he played Wolverine. We had Elena Sarah as Jean Grey, Simone Molica as Cyclops, which is really fun because in Italian, he is Ciclope. <laughs> uh, Marta Bertolotti. Sorry. Marta Bertolotti as Marrow. You know, kind of helps date the film, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Federica Vigano, because I'm not saying it any other way. 
as Surge. I'm serious. It is. No, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah that name, that, is, that name yeah. could go. This, this, this. Just for that name yeah. alone, this this episode could get explicit. <laughs> yeah, we're not that kind of show. No. <laughs> I did Yet. go see the Vaganio monologues <laughs> in college, though. I do want to share that. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, Guy of Malfessi as this is the best credit ever. Mutant Kid Zero One. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, they actually wrote zero one because you know they're European and classy. <laughs> and David Pounos, oh God, Pounessa. I ain't saying it again. As Pusher. <laughs> yep. This came out in two thousand nine, folks. As if you know that weren't obvious by the fact that Marrow was still a character. <laughs> she was still a thing. All righty. So your last chance to. Watch the film before we just completely spoilerize it, folks. Yeah, spoiler all ten minutes of it. All right. Hopefully you're all back because you finished watching the show. <laughs> so, in Manhattan, District X, a mutant ghetto, basically a, a whole area set aside that's just for mutants. Sounds nice, but, you know, emphasis on ghetto instead of mutants. Last night, a building was set on fire, and two humans died. Hopefully we're going to resolve this the whole thing quickly before racism explodes in the streets. Jean sends Logan to investigate since he's closest, while she and Cyclops patrol around town for clues. Jean and Scott encounter Surge and an unnamed pyrokinetic mutant. Just say pyro. Just say pyro. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They encounter her Surge and not pyro, <laughs> who got roughed up by hateful humans. Meanwhile, Wolverine runs afoul of Marrow, who admits her guilt in the arson, though she explains the humans who died were essentially milking a mutant for his hallucinogenic secretions. That's a sentence you never thought you'd say in your life. <laughs> well, I mean, mutant powers get pretty freaky, so yeah. just roll with it. Uh, their conflict ends with Logan taking a sharp bone to the chest. Probably another sentence you never thought you'd say in your life. <laughs> well, I, w I almost kind of had to listen to see if uh, Jared or Jason were going to chime in. <laughs> so after some weird psychic dreamscape thing with Logan and Jean, she and Scott arrive in time to stop Meryl before she buggers off and pulls the bone from Logan's heart. The film ends with a voiceover by Jean about improving the future while she and Scott offer Surge and not Pyro <laughs> a spot at the Xavier School. Plus, we see a newspaper article about the exploited mutant acid. So, that's a nice, tidy, little, you know, under 10 minutes X-Men film. Mm -hmm. Sean, what'd you think of it? I really liked it. I was surprised when you sent... I mean, look, fan film, in my mind, is synonymous with fanfic. Meaning, like, I just assumed this was going to be a porn parody, <laughs> just to be blunt. <laughs> I was like, I don't know that Clinton would do that to me, but, you know, it's also called District X, so who knows what I'm getting into. But I was really, really pleasantly surprised. There is, I mean, I think when you go into a fan film, you absolutely go in with, like, a large chunk of forgiveness, right? Like, you're, like, you go in saying, like, these are not professionals, they do not have a large budget, these are, you know, just fans doing their best to make something cool and entertaining, and so I, you know, I'm willing to forgive a, a million things. And, and even, you know, there wasn't that much to forgive in this, but it's really well done. It's really, it's a tight story. I definitely loved the idea of District X in the comics more than the execution of it. I mean, this is for those people who don't know, 
This is post M Day. So M Day, the, the Scarlet Witch says no more mutants, and the mutant population is reduced down to 100 mutants total on the planet. And it's you know the basically everything's out of whack. No one really knows what to do next. And a bunch of mutants gather in a part of New York, and it's called District X. It's called Mutant Town, and Bishop actually becomes like the sheriff of it. So there was a comic, you know, kind of in, you know inspired by this same idea. This is actually better than the comic. The comic did not execute it quite as tightly as this. So I really liked it. I I liked the story. I thought they did a really great job the way they shot it. It feels professional but indie in kind of a cool way. And then I was really shell-shocked by the appearance of Mero. And yet for the first time ever, I was pleased by the appearance of Mero because that is not <laughs> a feeling I've ever had in the comics. I don't think anybody has ever seen Mero in the comics and gone, yay, the mutant who pulls her own bones out and stabs people with them. But it was actually pretty cool in this one. What about you? Did you like it overall? I have really liked this over the years. I was not reading X-Men at the time, so I didn't know. You know, I kind of had an idea who Surge was just, you know, from those, oh, you know, the top 10 best mutants that created in the last five years mm-hmm. kind of list. But, you know, other than that, I really didn't know if this was an actual comic story, if it was something they had come up with. Like, I didn't even know District X was an actual thing in the comics until, like, just the last few months. Yeah, it was a pretty cool idea. Like I said, it didn't really go where it could have gone. But as a place to set a fan film, that's really cool. And there's some really nice touches, too. Like when Wolverine goes into District X, and it's supposed to be like, you know, really dirty part of New York, or that is to say New York. And they're like, like on the walls, there's uh, graffiti that says like, Magneto was right. And, and I was like, oh, that's a cool touch. Like they did a really nice job of like, you know, putting some of the trappings up. I thought it was, I thought that was really cool. I mean, they're clearly in Italy. Like there is a certain style to European <laughs> apartments that is, you know, very present in this, which is totally fine. But I liked that idea of, you know, saying, okay, we're going to set this in like a downtrodden part of a major city. And I thought it gave them a chance without having to spend money to do some interesting set pieces. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I'm with you. You can definitely tell it's European. But at the same time, it's not one of those like, okay, you know, let's drive there and then obviously get in your, you know, drive on the left car. <laughs> I'm sorry, drive on the right. I'm backwards. I, I know my left from my right. I really do, folks. <laughs> Half the time. <laughs> okay. What do you think of the costumes? The costumes are okay. I mean, again, you know, going into a fan film, I'm, I'm going in with a big chunk of forgiveness. You know, Wolverine's costume is straight up cool. Like, I actually, I don't need any, you know, uh, suspension of disbelief. I thought it was really cool. His hair's a little extreme for me. You know, it's, it's, <laughs> I mean, there's like, there's a, there's enough product in there for like every flock of seagulls fan from 1980 <laughs> on all three of them. And it's, I mean, it's pretty bad. The hair is pretty bad, but the costume is really cool. Jean's costume is like literally a shirt with like a Phoenix emblem ironed onto it, like a Girl Scout badge. And then Cyclops, I mean, it looks like. It looks like a, a prototype of Jordy's, you know, eyewear from the next generation. <laughs> so those two, not as great, but definitely Wolverine's is really cool. And then I don't know about you. I thought they did a really good job with Marrow's like bone protrusions. And, and there's one yeah. part where they zoom in on her when she and Wolverine are fighting at the end. 
and she pulls a bone out of her body and they like really clearly spent some of their budget on this because they show blood and they show how really gross that is and i was like oh that was mm-hmm. really well done so so i liked it. i thought they did a great job you know again some of the costumes a little better than others but wolverine and marrow who are the main you know protagonists and antagonists are pretty good yeah i mean it, you can definitely tell it's early 2000s era cosplayers yeah you know nobody's really discovered that cosplay can be the the big pour half your budget into it kind of thing but at the same time for what they're getting across they look well enough Mm -hmm. again you know i wasn't reading the x books at the time but from what i can kind of piece together it's like they decided to try and merge the ultimate x-men the movies and the traditional 616 looks all together which, I mean, it, in their defense, was what the X-Men were doing at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, going back, that was uh, new X-Men era, uh-huh. right? So everybody was in the the jackets and essentially looked kind of like the movies anyway. Yeah, it's all the black leather jackets. It's a lot of black leather. I'm okay with that, too, actually. Again, I think universally, you know, probably Wolverine is more recognizable in the black leather, you know, in the Hugh Jackman sort of look mm-hmm. than he is in the yellow and blue or, you know, uh, you know, tan that, that we all love, you know, growing up from the comics. And the guys, I mean, it, look, the main guy, the guy that plays him, he's a good looking guy. Like he looks like a thinner, younger Hugh Jackman. I mean, it's, it's, it was really good casting by himself to cast himself. <laughs> <laughs> he did a good yeah. job. He did a good job giving himself yeah. the main role. And I like that. Um, I don't know. I, I want to point out one thing, which is kind of silly, but I liked it. You know, had this been an American fan film, I think the women would have been of one very specific body style. And I like the fact that, like, there are different body styles in this. Like, you know, there are different people of different heights and different weights. And, and I don't know. I liked that. I thought that was also kind of cool. Because every, you know, every time I read a comic book, I do think, like, hey, you know, when you gained, you know, radioactive powers from that spider bite, it doesn't mean it gave you a six pack. Like, you're still, you know, still a nerdy high school kid. <laughs> Why do you have a six pack? So. I like that. I liked that there was people of kind of different types, but I was cool with it, man. I, I, and I, I liked to, the, the kind of, they had to do some shortcuts, right? Like it's clearly, like Gene is clearly Gene. Scott's clearly Scott. Mutant number two is clearly Pyro, even if they won't name. <laughs> now, I don't know if Mutant one and Mutant two who approach Gene and Scott in the street. So, so at one point, everybody's going to Mutant Town to investigate. Wolvie's on his own and Gene and Scott are on their own. Gene and Scott come across Surge and Pyro just sitting on a bench and they throw a rock at them. And Gene and Scott are like, whoa, what are you doing? And they're like, you know, where were you guys? We were just roughed up by these humans. I couldn't tell if, if, if Surge and Pyro were, were male or female. It was kind of cool. It was like some very non-binary stuff happening. Like it was, or mm-hmm. they're just European. Like I, 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 I I'm going to be really honest with you. I can't make up, I, I don't know which is which, but, but I thought that was kind of cool too. And Surge actually looked like, Surge from the comics, like for those of you who've read uh, New New X Men Academy X, those that line of books, she has these like gloves that she has to wear to control her powers, and she had those on, which was really cool. And so yeah, I think they just had a lot of really nice touches in the film. I thought you know the costuming was as you know was as good as it could be, and in some places was even was really good. And I thought the set pieces were really nice, and you know the story's really straightforward, but there are also some really great moments in that. Like like what did you think of the opening scene? So the, the movie opens with Wolverine hitting the ground, bleeding, basically reflecting on the fact that he's about to die. Like, what do you think about that as the opening? Uh, I mean, it's definitely a, a oh, what's what's the word? Um, 
I don't want to say it's a ballsy way to open. It's definitely a good way to grab your audience. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, who who hasn't thought of opening your story in media res? But, God, yeah. I mean, when Logan's sitting there telling you, well, I'm about to die. This is my story. And you're like, what? Yeah. You're not old man Logan. <laughs> no, no. And it was, that's the thing, too. Like, it was so well done. That it made me want to keep watching because I was like, oh, this is cool. This is this is a good little piece of filmmaking too. Like open on a really dramatic moment that you'll circle back to eventually to, to kind of close the story. And then the other reason I think uh, the guy that directed, starred in, wrote, and produced the movie <laughs> cast himself as the lead is the confounding ability to go a long time without blinking. Like like they <laughs> that is a set shot. The camera's moving. You can yeah. see it because it's handheld. And they are they stay focused on his face hitting the ground, blood coming out of his mouth for like 20 to 35 seconds. And that guy keeps his eyes anime open, like huge open eyes so that you see him dying. And he does not blink. And I was like, all right, all right. Maybe not the most useful mutant power, but perfect for this movie. <laughs> that, was, that was really – like he should get the Oscar – for best, you know, stair game participant, because he would win them all. And that might be why he won that award. Yeah, you know what it might be? It might From be, himself. Yes, he had no choice but to give himself the award for his <laughs> unbelievable lack of blinking, which was really actually sold the part. There are a couple other moments, too. Like, I don't I have, I have a couple favorite moments. So I like the opening. I thought that was really smart. And then there's a moment where Scott and Gene are walking into Mutant Town, and Gene's like, yeah, this, I don't like this. This isn't okay. And Scott's like, what do you mean? It's, it's, you know, a safe area for mutants, no sentinels, you know, no humans with guns. Like, like, why isn't this a good idea? And she goes, yeah, it's a mutant ghetto, Scott, but ghetto is still ghetto. And I was like, oh, that was a really good piece of writing. Like, I really like the, you know, they don't, this isn't a political work at all, but that was a nice little dip into the idea of, you know, ghettoization and, and I, so I just thought that was really cool, and it is something they hit at during the the mutant X or the mutant town district X part of the X Men comic book continuum. They do kind of dip into that whole thing of like, well, what is the trade off? Like, yeah, we're all together, so we're safer, but we are also ghettoized, and what does that mean? So that was I thought it was a really good piece of writing and a really good moment. What about you? Do you have like a favorite moment? It, it kind of changes around. Um... I really like the the opening mm-hmm. because it does hook you. I like the fact that it's a fight with Marrow and it actually is enjoyable. Yeah. I mean, Marrow is probably right around when I completely dropped the Xbox for a while. And it it was just one of those, you knew going in, she was going to be the writer's new favorite character mm-hmm. that could do no wrong. She was going to be, you know, it was going to be like, oh, she could outthink Batman kind of character. Yeah, they brought her in as the like most recent, oh, she's a bad guy that the X-Men will turn around. <laughs> and I was like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. She's exactly like Rogue, but without any of the charm or depth <laughs> or character. It's exactly like Rogue. Yeah, that's perfect. No, you, you yep. picked the right moment to jump ship because that is when, you know, that was a bad <laughs> era for the X-Men. That and I just, I couldn't get over the fact, you know, she was, the bones sticking out of her back were wider than her actual yeah. body frame. And it's like, this isn't, People aren't built like this. No, yeah. Yeah, she's just problematic on every level. I mean, yeah, it's it's a gross power, which it was supposed to be. They were kind of diving into the idea of mutations being kind of gross at that time. But no, she's an awful character. But I, I agree with you. Their fight, one of the things I like about their fight is it's visceral. 
There's no like, there's not even a pretense of like, oh, this is male, female, so he's, Wolvie's gonna, mm-hmm. you know, like, he goes right into the fight with her. She not only holds her own, she's, she straight up kills him, you know, for a minute. And, mm-hmm. and that was really cool. And did you like that part too, that she kind of wins the day? Yeah. I mean, overall, it, it mostly serves to actually further the story, but it was nice to, to see something other than, well, Wolverine wins again because mm-hmm. he's the best he is at what he does. Yeah, there's a nice irony there. Like, I'm the best at what I do. What I do isn't pretty. Oh, oh, yeah, I'm dead. <laughs> you know, that was kind of yeah. nice. And, and even the special effect there where she, you know, he's 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 defeated her. He's sort of choking her. And she says to him, hey, I didn't just arbitrarily burn this building down. They were literally milking a mutant for drugs. You know, do you blame me? And he and he takes his hands off of her and he like sits sits up for a second, like, oh wait. And then she chaps him in the chest with the, yeah. right through the heart with a bone. And I was like, you know what? That was pretty cool. And the and the, the way they do it, the effects on it were really nice. I, I thought that was I liked that a lot as the climactic fight scene. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the effects. Uh I mean, these are actually really, really cool special effects. Mm-hmm. Especially when you consider this is you know, 10 years ago on what I would assume is probably just somebody's home computer. Yeah. I mean, Cyclops' last, you know, the one time he uses it, it's easily as good as what was in those early X-Men movies. Yeah, that part's really good. I mean, there, there's, a, you know, a couple moments where, like, when, when Pyro, they're, the Gene and Scott are like, why would the humans suspect you? And Pyro's like, because I can do this. And, and she or he puts a, their hand out and a flame, like, hovers above it. I was like, oh, yeah, that looks like the Generation X movie. I'm like, I've, I've seen that special effect before. But other than that, all the other effects are great. And then, yeah, that, that bone, you know, the stabbing of Wolverine is really good. Mm-hmm. It was, I thought, it, I thought it was really well done. What'd you think of the dream sequence that, that, uh, oh, really? You didn't God. like it? Yeah. The, it, it felt to me like, oh, you know, we got to have the, the obligatory Wolverine loves Gene moment. It's like, people, can we move past this? Logan is 100 or whatever years old. I'm pretty sure he can get past a redhead. He's not Shag. <laughs> I was just sitting out there to be said. I'm glad you said it. I I liked it. You're right. It definitely, and they even say in the credits, they, they kind of mention the arcs they borrow from. Mm-hmm. And they definitely yeah. took that scene from the end of Grant Morrison's X-Men run where he or Wolverine and Phoenix are plummeting into the sun because comics and they, you know, share a really passionate kiss as they seemingly burn to death and die. And I was like, oh, okay. And, and there's another moment in like, I think it's Joe Casey's first issue of X-Men when he took over the book for a while where Gene and, and Wolverine go into effectively a, not a haunted house, but it's like taken over by some kind of alien. And at one point they're surrounded and they're in a TK bubble and they kiss because they think they're going to die. So I was like, okay, yeah, I've seen this scene before and I don't necessarily love seeing it again, but I did think they, I think they did a really good job with it. I thought the dialogue was really strong where he says, you know, well, I just died for, for mutant town. Like what a stupid way to give my life. And Jean's like, no, you died like an X-Men. And she's like, you know, remember, you're immortal. Like, you're you're the only one of us who's going to see the fruits of our labor. So it's really important that you keep the hope a lot. And I was like, oh, that was really good writing. And then comes the I'm the director, actor, writer, producer. <laughs> and they share a kiss. And yeah, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah, you cast your girlfriend as Jean Grey. You know, and, and so, it, you know, they share a kiss. And it's like, 
it's a little bit of an uncomfortable wedding kiss, you know, when they say you may kiss the bride and everybody's clapping and the couple goes a little too far and you're like, okay, you're gross. And that, you know, I, I needed somebody in that moment to be like, you're gross. <laughs> Stop kissing. Yeah. But I thought it was pretty good. Well, not just that. It's like as well written as Jean is. And for my money, she's better written here than she probably has been in the book. You know, any time leading up to like the more recent House of X and all that yeah. now. Does she really like come across as not into that kiss as much as logan is i think she's into it i I don't think there's any implication that she's not i think the actor who plays wolverine made a choice (laughs) he made an acting choice to like really go in for that kiss (laughs) and she was expecting more of a like romantic cap to the scene like Mm -hmm. she was expecting the appropriate kiss that would put a button on the scene and he went in like a sixth grade boy, you know, in between <laughs> classes. Like he did not, like that guy, I don't know what he's kissed in the past. I don't know like who, what poor creature has been subjected to his kiss, but it was, um, I don't know if Lovecraftian is too strong a word, but it was definitely, <laughs> yeah. It's not a way humans kiss. Yeah. It's, it was definitely, I think that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that's kind of where I was going with that yes. because it, it seems like she's like, oh, okay, you know, let's, let's have the, you know, five second make out scene and he's like, No, yeah. This is the extended European cut. <laughs> yeah, he definitely was going for it in that moment. And you know he's the kind of D bag who was like, I was making a choice. I was really caught up in the moment in the scene. And she's like, <laughs> You're gross, dude. And that was and yeah, so I I think he's just, you know, every gross actor. And then you layer on the fact that, you know, He's also the writer, director, producer. Yeah. You know, I think it's I think it's pretty fair to to guess that he's a little bit of a scumbag. But he made a good movie, you know, and and the, he's a good Wolverine. He looks like Wolverine, and yeah. so I, you know, overall I like it. But I definitely that moment it was like, oh, dude, really? <laughs> and as much as we're like really jokingly ragging on this guy, it's it's not one of those like I did not hit her. Oh, hi, Mark. Yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, it's not. There's nothing like you know. Uh, I don't know. It, it doesn't cross that kind of line and on any level. It's just more of a, she's clearly kissed another human before and, and he is maybe yeah. kissing his first human. And so, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's also, it's just a, a quality of acting moment, which is, you know, not great, but other, but overall, you know, we are picking on it jokingly, but it's really good. It is absolutely worth checking out. I think it's a really good snapshot of where the X books are at that moment, though done in some ways a little bit better and i just think it's a really fun i don't know it was, it was a fun kind of dip into the x universe in a, in a different format in a, in a lower stakes format than say you know a big budget sony film or something and i mean the one thing they get wrong that's that's unforgivable is wolverine doesn't have an australian accent but other than that <laughs> other than that they're they're pretty can good you, <laughs> can you picture Somebody with a thick Italian accent trying to do the, <laughs> the Australian Wolverine. I wanted a little X-Men. Pride of the X-Men Wolverine. I wanted some hot dogs on his claws, and I wanted you know, a little Australian accent. I seriously, I wanted Paul Hicks as Wolverine in this film, but, you know, we can't get everything. So, <laughs> But it's really good. And I do want to say, we've been goofing on a little bit. I would be, you know, if I were Jacobo or whatever his name was, the guy who wrote, directed, starred, and produced... I'd be really proud of myself. This is other than the kiss. This is a really, really good fan film. 
and it's really well made. And honestly, you know, you're two for two on this show so far because the Batman one was really good. And I'm like, oh, okay, if all fan films are this good, I'm going to be diving in. I, I don't suspect they are, but I think, you know, there are obviously a lot better ones out there than I thought there were. So it's pretty cool. I just kind of put this movie in perspective on the official Flash Gordon Appreciation Society <laughs> account. Because <laughs> I'm not leaving that concept behind. Nope. That is too good. Uh, there's not quite even 1,300 views on this oh, film. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I would have thought this would have hit you know, in the hundreds of thousands. Like, it's good. Yeah. And it's eight minutes. It's, I mean, you know. Mm-hmm. Conversely, really on the one that uh, it actually has the English subtitles, uh, which apparently is on an account called CW Shots. I'm not sure if that's actually a reference to the CW network at all, but uh, there's about 25,500 oh, views, go. give or take. So, I mean, it's still not a ton yeah to, to have been up you know roughly 10 years altogether that's you know that's still under under twenty seven thousand. yeah and that's a shame i am i'm hoping this show i'm hoping people listen to it they'll check it out because it is really it's it's really worthwhile i mean i watched it like three or four times you know at first just for the sh- for this episode but then i was like no, i just really enjoyed this i kept watching because <laughs> i'm kind of finding new things i thought were cool like for example when cyclops blasts marrow that actress really sells out for that fall. She hits the concrete. I was like, man, yeah. that was a really good fall. Like that, that, there's no way that didn't hurt. So I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to recommend it's it. It's not like the traditional, oh, I tripped. Yeah. Oh, it's wham. No, she, she sells it. <laughs> she goes down and, uh, and hits the concrete. So I, yeah, I would really recommend it. I thought it was really well done. It's just really fun. It's, it's well shot. The, like, you know, opening on a, on Wolverine seeming death and then circling back to that scene is really cool. It's filled with a lot of X-Men Easter eggs. Clearly the people who made this are huge fans of X-Men and, and lovingly, you know, it was made really lovingly. So I, I, I'd highly recommend it. And, you know, the, the one lingering question that we can't answer on this podcast is if it's made by the Flash Gordon Appreciation Society, does anybody who works there wear pants? Because my understanding <laughs> is, if you're affiliated with Flash Gordon, you cannot wear pants. If I, if I, uh, if I understand anything from the Longbox Crusade, that is what I understand. That's a, yeah, that's a Pat Samson trade secret, so. <laughs> Although there are some boxes down here in this basement that are marked property of Planet Mongo, oh, so. Yeah. Don't, don't eat or smell anything in those boxes. <laughs> yeah. So this was cool, man. I appreciate you inviting me on to, to watch this. I loved it. It's, it is literally something I would never have encountered in my life otherwise. And it was really cool. It was, it, I, I'm like, I'm highly going to recommend. When this episode hits, I'll, I'll tweet out the link too, because I want people to see this. Yeah, definitely. If nothing else, people, you sat through X-Men The Last Stand. You sat through Age of Apocalypse. Come on. <laughs> you can spare 10 minutes for a good X-Men film. This is better than Age of Apocalypse. So, yeah, I agree. I would almost say this is as good as or better than the first movie. Yeah, I'd put it on par with that. I mean, I, I, yeah, I think you're right. It's it's definitely the things you forgive in the first movie, you kind of forgive in this. Right. This one has at least as much heart yes. and probably a better written gene. <laughs> oh, I liked Famke Jansen in it. But no, I'm you're... not saying Famke Jansen's bad. I'm saying she didn't have much to do. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's good. It's definitely a really good piece of fan, you know, 
filmmaking and and uh you know i want to give a shout out to the writers and the producers and the oh no wait it's the same guy so <laughs> i would love to have seen his <laughs> acceptance speech <laughs> i would like to thank me do you, and me do you think he had me him, did you think he handed himself the award <laughs> <laughs> and that girl that let me like slobbery, oh yeah, you know, not so much kiss as eat her face. Oh god, yeah. He, I mean, he really did. Uh, that's oh. yeah. And so if, if you if you aren't going to watch it because it's good, just watch it for that <laughs> moment. Oh, <laughs> uh, so I think we have pretty much covered the highs, lows, and wantas all together and all that. So Sean, if you don't have anything else to say about that, I think we can call it pretty well wrapped up with a bow yeah yeah definitely if you can tell people where they can find you on the internet uh so i'm on twitter at sean 42 az and more importantly i'm on the pulp to pixel podcast network i co-host secret wars and beyond with greg arujo where we cover every issue of every marvel superhero secret wars miniseries uh dr g and i cover the beautiful gem that is volume one poor greg arusho <laughs> joined me to cover the turd covered in gold that is secret wars 2 and then we are gearing up for secret wars 3 the jonathan hickman isid ribic run which is in my opinion the greatest crossover event in marvel history so that's coming really soon as a little break between because there's a lot of research to do to get into hickman we covered Squadron Supreme, the seminal Mark Grunewald and Bob Hall miniseries, and we are actually really close to wrapping that up. We have two more episodes left of that series, and it's it, that one's a lot of fun in particular because I had never read the miniseries, so I'm reading it in real time with the show, and Greg is actually a seasoned, some would call him old, old, old uh, veteran of that comic, <laughs> and so... <laughs> Any chance I get to, uh, you know, take a shot at Greg's age. Um, some would call him, a, you know, an older veteran of that comic. So it's pretty cool, actually. It's a nice little balance of, like, somebody who's loved it since 1985 when it came out and somebody who's reading it without nostalgia goggles in 2019. So, so yeah, if you guys, you know, want to come listen to us, it's uh, Pulp to Pixel. And I do highly recommend that show, folks. Sean and Greg do a lot more research than I would have ever given <laughs> either one of them credit for. More than is healthy, you can say it. More than, more than a healthy person should do. <laughs> and there's never a dull moment, even if like you don't like the comic, or in case of Secret Wars 2, even if they don't like the comic. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. In some ways, that was more fun. Like, I, people have asked me straight up, like, how did you cover that? That's the worst comic ever written. And I'm like, in a weird way, it was almost more fun because we, the comic was so bad, we had to do something good with the show. So, so I appreciate that. Okay. And Sean, I have just one more question. Mm hmm. Do you perhaps have any extra room in that battle wagon so that I can get <laughs> out of this basement? I have in my battle van, there is plenty of room. If I were driving a war wagon, which is something a child would use, then no, unfortunately, it would just be for me. <laughs> so the answer is. Nope, you're stuck in the basement, buddy. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw, you know what? I'll throw some hostess fruit pies down there. Those things last forever. <laughs> you obviously have never been in the Longbox Crusade HQ when Mary Jane's here. Oh. <laughs> hostess fruit pies. And Mary Jane. <laughs> Isn't that the Longbox Crusade mantra? Isn't that their, their tagline? <laughs> Let's just say there's a reason why there's a Saturday matinee. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the things I've heard. Well, since unfortunately there is no room, I'm destined to be stuck here yet again. So, 
Sean, I do appreciate you coming by, even if you didn't clean out the back seat. <laughs> Sorry, man. But thanks for having me. This was a lot of fun. <laughs> oh, definitely. You'll have to come again sometime, you know, when you have room in your vehicle. Now, I'm definitely in, man. I'm, I'm, I'm in to do this again. This is, like I said, you know, in, in, all joking aside, you know, you know, I love your show. I love Coffee and Comics. And so I was really excited when you had a new show. And I was particularly excited because it is not something with which I'm familiar. So I was like, oh, this will be really cool. And then, you know, you opened really strong. You had Professor Frenzy. And then you went super downhill with me. But I'm hoping you have a good recovery <laughs> on the next episode because this is a great show. I, I'm, I'm really excited by it. I want you to keep it going. Well, everybody will just have to come back and see what we have in store, won't they? And while I have to bid you adieu, I will still be here when everybody can come back and listen to some listener feedback. The world's strongest hero. The warrior from a hidden island. The master of super speed. The wielder of the weapon from beyond the stars champion of the seven seas they are the only ones standing before a world beyond the brink of collapse their mission abolish war and crime eliminate poverty and hunger clean the environment cure disease even stop death itself they promise within a year to make the world a utopia no matter how many lines they might need to cross coming soon to the pulp to pixel network the Squadron Supreme Cast, an exploration of Mark Gruenwald's epic 1985 Squadron Supreme miniseries, a look at the heroes, the villains, the fine lines separating them, and how this miniseries continues to play an influence in mainstream superhero comics. Just as a reminder, the first episode was Batman Dead End that I covered with Professor Frenzy. And we got all kinds of social media love. Likes and shares came from Jerry Green, The Longbox Crusade, Christados, Delvin Williams, Bob Rowland, Courtney Holland, Ryan Daly, The Hammer Strikes, Relatively Geeky, Secret Wars and Beyond, that's Sean, that was just this episode's guest, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, Gal Walks Into a Comic Shop, Action Film Face-Off, Green Lantern HG, Laurel Mountainflower, Rad Adventures Network, Weasel Skull, Jeff Hunter, Bill Beer, Jay Sandlin, Chris at BTO and Bat Books, Longbox of Darkness, The Bat Pod, John from Married with Comics, Into the Weird, Darth Ron, Hal Jordan, Warlord Worlds, and Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Over on Twitter, Green Lantern HG said, Great first episode. I like the chosen film. I love the guest. It was so good. Jerry, now that you're out of that basement, can you step over here for a second? Look right here, please. And he gave the uh, little men in black device that wipes Jerry's memory. Oh, thanks, HG. Yeah, thanks a lot. No wonder he can't get me out of here. <sighs> Clinton, I was thinking of helping you get out, but I think you're going to stick around. Yeah, I think so, HG, now that you've done a little memory wiping. Jared Albrick and Delvin Williams kind of brought up my comment about Auburn and uh, moral fiber, and uh, yeah, I'm probably going to be really stuck in here now. L let's just say that. Oh, Green Lantern HG chi chime back in again with... Uh, 
Right. His two cents on the film, saying that not that he was asked, but was he the only one who felt Batman had that Jim Ross look? Joker kind of gave him an Alan Moore feel, but maybe that's him. Oh, and Boner, what a surprise. Good old growing pains. Yep, that would be it. So I gotta appreciate all the feedback just from a first episode. That was good, guys. Thanks a lot. I really appreciate you sticking with me. So, just a quick reminder for everybody, you can send feedback to the email address, which is fanfilmfridays at gmail.com. You can get in touch with me directly on Twitter at Fridays underscore fan, or you can leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade website, which is longboxcrusade.com. I think that's wrapping it up, and you can stick with us for another episode of Fan Film Fridays. Today you can take your telephone, your 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 cell phone. And you can make a movie on that. And if it's a really cool movie that's funny and it's dramatic or whatever, you can post it on YouTube. If you want to make films and you want to tell stories, you can do it. After all, all art is experience. But if you're obsessed with film and you love to tell stories and you love working in that medium, uh, then uh, that will give you the strength to be persistent to make it happen.